Cue the fancy intro music. I'm Lisa Robin Young, and this is Creative Freedom, empowerment for creative entrepreneurs, where can-do inspiration and how-to education collide to help you own your dreams without selling your soul. Creative Freedom helps you end the hustle, define success on your own terms, and build a profitable, sustainable business doing more of what you love and less of what you don't. I'm so excited you're here with me today. Let's get started. This is bonus episode number seven the second in a series about the business hierarchy of needs, as described by Mike Michalowicz in his upcoming book, Fix This Next. As a certified Fix This Next advisor, I've got advanced access to this content, and I've got permission from Mike to share these resources with you. So I'm super excited to be able to be doing this series and digging into all this goodness with you. Last episode, we talked about the first level of the business hierarchy of needs, and that's sales, all things sales related. If you haven't already listened to that episode, I urge you to dig into that before you continue with this episode. Why? Because like Maslow's hierarchy of human needs, which is what this whole thing is based on, you need to resolve the issues at the bottom of the hierarchy before you can ascend to the higher levels. If you've got any of the stumbling blocks inside the sales level, you really need to fix those first, which is why he calls the book Fix This Next, before you start looking at the second level, which is all about profitability. Now, I will say that if you're already in business and you've been in business a while, you're probably going to find gaps all along this because you've kind of been doing a hodgepodge of all these things as you've been building the business. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Just realize that if you really want to see effective, impactful change in your business, you need to start at the bottom of the hierarchy to fix things and work your way up. Now, one of the reasons I'm such a big fan of Mike's work is because I've known Mike for a while and his stuff is clear and easy to understand. Now, Profit Bruce is consistently one of the best-selling books on money management and accounting for small business because of how clearly and concisely and entertaining his work is. I helped Mike edit the first edition of Profit First, and he put me in chapter four of the second edition. So I'm serious when I say we know each other. I'm not just spouting off, he's my friend, and I don't know him from Joe. I was one of the first Profit First certified business coaches in the world. And I encourage all my clients to follow those principles to ensure that their businesses continue to remain profitable because it works. Okay, now this episode is not a deep dive into Profit First. I will be referencing a few things. But if you've got sufficient sales to sustain your business, you've handled everything at the first level of the hierarchy of needs, and you're struggling with profitability, which is level two, then I highly recommend his book. And I will include a link in the show notes. Just like our previous episode, each level of the business hierarchy of needs has five basic areas to examine in determining whether or not You've got everything handled at that level, okay? Um, When it comes to profitability, we are looking at these five areas. Debt management and elimination, profit margins, purchase frequency of your buyers, leveraging debt, which is different than debt management, we'll talk about that, and cash reserves. Now, I can hear some of you wrinkling and crinkling already because I'm talking about debt, O-M-G. Debt can be tricky. Used properly, things like working capital loans or real estate loans, 
It can provide the leverage you need to grow your business at times when cash flow may be wonky. Used poorly, like maxing out your credit card for an online course or something with no guaranteed return on investment, then it becomes a heavy weight that can pull you down and your business faster than a gangster's cement shoes. All right? So strap yourself in and let's wade into these murky waters without the cement shoes and help you get more profitable. One of the questions I ask on the application for the Creative Freedom Incubator is, are you carrying any debt and does it feel manageable to you? A lot of people are surprised when I ask that question, but the truth is I am in business to help you. The incubator, I invest my time and resources in working with you. So we create a quasi partnership of sorts where I'm investing in your company. Of course, I want to know if you're carrying debt. And of course, I want to know if that feels manageable to you. Plus, as a coach, if I'm not doing my due diligence to know that you can reasonably afford to work with me, then I'm not being of service in the right way. Okay. Because for me, this isn't just about making money. Yes, a girl wants to get paid, but girl wants to make sure that she's not causing harm. All right. So let's, let's be clear about that. All right. When I'm working with a client, there's nothing more stressful than getting halfway into a growth strategy and then panicking because your debt load is creating financial pressure for yourself. That's why I ask these questions. Now, simply put, if your debt load feels oppressive, you got to focus on debt reduction before you can worry about any of the other issues of profitability. In fact, for many creative entrepreneurs I've met, paying off debt opens cash flow and creates a peace, ease, and spaciousness that lifts a lot of burdens. In fact, the other thing we're going to talk about today is overgenerosity. And I find these two things go hand in hand. They carry a lot of debt and they're being overgenerous. What? That makes no sense. But I tell you, I've been there myself. <laughs> That's why I know this. I know from whence I speak because I've been there, all right? And if you find yourself being over generous and carrying debt, there's a mindset shift that has to happen here, okay? You've got to focus on debt reduction. Now, when financial guru Dave Ramsey used to talk about trying to out-earn his stupidity because he was creating a lot of debt, and he was like, well, I'll just sell more stuff because that'll solve the problem. Well, at some point, that catches up with you. And I would laugh when I hear him say this because I could so resonate to that. That was my story, right? And it's easy to think that putting this course on a credit card or investing with this person on a credit card is going to be a fast path to cash. They're going to solve your problems. But the reality is that there's almost nothing fast about being an entrepreneur. Growing a stable, profitable business takes time. So if you're carrying debt, are you able to consistently pay it down rather than accumulating more? Now, according to the Profit First model, until your business is bringing in roughly a quarter million dollars a year, the rule of thumb is that 30% of your real revenue should be running your business. The rest of that money needs to be set aside for taxes, owner pay, and profit sharing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. When I first heard that, I was livid. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I can't do that. I was probably running closer to 80 or 90% operating expenses and forget about profit sharing. Profit was whatever I got back on my taxes every year. And I'm sure I'm not the only person in the world who's ever felt that way. But that's backwards, according to Mike. If you want to build a profitable, sustainable business, you've got to flip that script. Start paying yourself, your taxes, and your company first. And then use what's left to run the business. 
including paying down debt. And that's why debt can be such a burden on the company. One of the reasons that I have a sliding scale with the incubator and brand new people are being brought in at the 15 to 20% income rate, meaning that I take 15 to 18% of their business revenue every month as payment for being in this program is because they don't need to be investing in a bunch of other stuff. And I want to train their brain to recognize that they need to stop putting money in a bunch of other stuff, listen to one person for a little while and implement on the things that they're planning. And at some point, as their business revenue starts to grow, we shift that and scale it back so that maybe I'm, now I'm only bringing, I'm only taking 10% or I'm only taking 5% or I'm only taking 2% as the business grows because now they've got that bandwidth, that financial space available to use the difference in that money towards things that they need to be investing in outside of working with me inside the incubator. And as the business grows, it makes sense that you'll have different expenses. But if you're brand new and you're just getting started, you don't need to be spending money in a bunch of different places. You don't have it to spend. A colleague and friend once told me that debt is a claim on your future income, meaning you've got to work into the future to pay off the debt you have now. You're using future money that you don't even have yet that you're going to make to pay off debt that you already have. Now talk about a burden. What if you can't work in the future? What if you end up in a situation like so many folks right now where your government has shut down your employment? Here in the United States, several state governors have shut down all restaurants, schools, public meeting spaces in an attempt to proactively flatten the curve on COVID-19, the coronavirus that's all over the news right now. What if the government shut you down? Bills still got to be paid. So eradicating debt as soon as possible is a priority if you want to become profitable. So if you can actively keep paying things down, even slowly, that makes a difference. But if you're at a point where you're accumulating debt and not paying any of it down, like charging up your credit card, paying off the minimum, and then charging it up again, and then paying off the minimum, like that's a problem, right? You're not going to be able to get profitable until you can shift that. Now, if your debt is manageable, the next place to look is your profit margins. Do you have healthy profit margins in each of your offerings? And do you continually seek ways to improve that? Now, part of this is about pricing, which we'll talk about in a minute. But it's also about overhead expenses. If your overhead is high, your margins are going to be tighter than if you can keep your overhead flexible to match demand of your business. So if you've bought into a bunch of platform subscription fees, and you've got a lot of fixed expenses. Oh, I'm spending $300 a month on this thing, and I've got $40 a month over here, and I've got $20 a month over here on this thing that I use maybe a couple times a year. That's a lot of fixed overhead. And instead of having all that fixed overhead, it's much more helpful if you can get it flexible so that you're only paying for what you need when you need it. Okay, when I first started coaching, I invested in a shopping cart and email software that was the industry standard at the time, and it cost about $100 a month plus processing fees for my merchant account. Now, there were months when my company wasn't even bringing in $100. So this overhead cost, while it seemed reasonable, I mean, $100 bucks is not a whole lot, it was totally unreasonable for my business cash flow. It was creating a burden. It was creating debt 
that I didn't need to create. And it was cutting into my profit margins significantly. So I moved my email list to a free service and started using PayPal payment buttons on my website. That was over 10 years ago, and I'm still using PayPal payment buttons. And I'm only now at a point where I'm considering investing in a mailing list serving provider. Okay, that's over $12,000 that I have saved my company because I was willing to look for a slightly less convenient but free option where I only paid for what I needed. Okay, and instead of paying hugely inflated costs for something I'm not using, paying only for what you need gives you a better profit margin. If your company can't support the costs of all that infrastructure, all those subscription fees, you may want to look at some alternatives. Now, if your overhead is as flexible as you can get it, then you might want to look at pricing. Are you pricing your offers so that they're profitable? Now, I'm not saying pull a Martin Shkreli and jack the price of your product to the stratosphere. That's what he did in a controversial move in 2015 when his company obtained the manufacturing license for a drug called Daraprim or Daraprim and raised its price from $13.50 a pill to $750 a pill. Now, his whole business model was based on finding drugs that he thought were underpriced, buying the rights, and then jacking the prices 50 times higher to make the company money. So, you know, as clever as it was, it was still kind of sketchy. That's not what I'm talking about here. I mean, make sure that the price you're charging for your offers matches the market you're trying to serve and gives you a comfortable profit margin. Take care of you first. Let me say that again. Take care of you first. Make sure your pricing works for you. Is there enough money to pay you a living wage? Or are you working for less than minimum wage, hoping that somebody, anybody, broke people, I don't care, will buy from you? Hear me on this. If you had to hire somebody else to provide whatever it is that you offer, would you pay them what you're paying yourself? If not, make some changes. Is it a fair living wage? If not, make some changes. Make sure whatever you offer can help you get to your enoughness number. We talked about that in our last episode. That's a sales function. Know your enoughness number. And if your prices don't fit the market that you're trying to serve, either because they're too high or too low, people won't buy. You'll either need to change your prices or change your market. And yes, you can price things too low for a market. Don't walk into Tiffany expecting anything to be less than 50 or 100 bucks. On the other side of that coin, you don't walk into Walmart expecting to pay $50,000 for much of anything either. I'm going to check your pricing against the profit first rule of thumb. If you have a $500 offer, your owner pay would be $250. Are you okay with receiving $250 for it? If not, look at your pricing again. Make sure your pricing matches the market you want to reach and that it's a price you can live with comfortably. All right, moving on. Do you have repeat buyers? And how often are they buying from you? Are they looking for alternatives or do they trust you to provide for their needs? As a creative, there are lots of options in your marketplace. Making sure that your relationships are strong with your customers, that they know, like, and trust you means that when you have things for sale, they're more likely to buy from you than the alternative. And if you don't know who the alternatives are, 
it might be a good idea to keep your eyes and ears peeled because an unknown can easily spring up in your market and start siphoning off clients if you're not paying attention to your audience. Pay attention to your audience. It costs more money to attract new clients than it does to retain existing ones. Repeat buyers help your business become more profitable. So that means over time, you'll need more than one offer for them to buy, or you'll need a strong referral program so that they keep inviting people in their circle of influence to buy from you. At some point, knowing the lifetime value of your customer helps you make better business decisions, especially when it comes to leveraging debt with things like a real estate loan or working capital loan. Oh, there it is again, debt. But some of the most successful companies in the world carry debt strategically. Apple has billions of dollars in cash reserves and it carries some debt strategically to minimize their taxes. Now, debt's not a toy. You need to manage it carefully. But when you can use it to generate a predictable increase in your profitability, it makes sense. Now, in general, I'm a fan of eliminating debt, especially in the early stages of your business because it creates too much financial pressure. But there are times when a cash injection can be helpful. A working capital loan can provide the much-needed cash to invest in a new piece of equipment to expand your company capacity or speed up your delivery time. I had a client, flour and eggs pasta. They made pasta and they used this small pasta machine that took them days to make the pasta for the week's sales. By getting a loan to invest in a bigger machine, they were able to crank out the same amount of pasta in just a few hours freeing up all kinds of time for the owner to be able to do some other things in the business, like work on their line of dried pasta, which is now available for sale and is amazing. This would not have been possible if they were still using that old hand crank basic pasta machine. They had to upgrade, but they didn't have the cash. So they got a working capital loan to make that investment possible. They invested in an asset that helped their business grow. And from what I've heard, he sold out the first batch of dried pasta that he made and had a wait list for more. So it was a smart investment. Real estate loans can also be a useful form of leveraged debt. Instead of saving up all your cash and plunking all your cash down up front to buy a piece of property, you keep that cash in reserve and make payments on a mortgage, essentially paying for what you use and keeping your expenses down in the short term and keeping that cash reserve on hand for other things, which keeps you more profitable. Now, the key here is that these are generally lower risk investments versus higher risk expenses. If you're buying an asset, you can always sell it later if you need to. Now, that brings us to our last aspect to consider, and that's your cash reserves. Does your company have enough cash reserves to cover all your business expenses for at least three months? Now that includes paying yourself, paying your taxes, your overhead expenses, manufacturing costs, everything. Do you have enough cash in the bank to cover everything for three months? And a lot of businesses are scrambling right now amid these forced closures and shutdowns. I've said before that when you charge more, you can afford to be more generous. 
You're seeing that with companies like Zoom and Adobe who are offering their platforms for free to educational institutions that have been impacted by this virus. They've got the cash reserves to keep running and even give things away for free because they've been mindful of their profitability. But what I see more often with creative entrepreneurs is that you're being over generous. I said this a minute ago, you're being over generous and you're carrying debts. So that's like double indemnity. That's like double debt. No, stop it. Okay. Over generous means you're more generous than your current business model can support. I am all for generosity. Like I said, when you charge more, you can afford to be more generous. And giving away free stuff is a great thing when you are financially in a position to be able to do so. But there's a reason why they say giving until it hurts, because it's a form of harm. If you don't have the cash reserves to keep your company afloat for a month or three, then saving money needs to be a priority on your business itinerary. And I'll be frank, it isn't always easy, especially when you're just starting out, to have that kind of money in the bank stability. That's normal, okay? And that's the goal, right? To be profitable and sustainable, to have that kind of stability, to have a business doing what you love that makes money, makes a profit, and can sustain itself and you so that you don't have to be on the hamster wheel of hustle all the time. The only way to get there is to deal with your profitability. Okay? When you've got these five issues on lock, you work to eliminate your debt, you've got healthy profit margins, you've got repeat buyers, you're mindfully using leveraged debt, you've got solid cash reserves, and then you can look at the next level of the business hierarchy of needs, which is all about creating order through systems and processes. So here's your task for the week. Take a look at your gaps so far in the business hierarchy of needs. Chances are good you found at least one between this episode and the last episode. Start with the lowest need first and work on fixing it next. That's why he calls the book Fix This Next. If you are ready to go deeper into the profit level or any level, I invite you to join us in a club. I am launching a Fix This Next small group coaching program soon. And A-Club members will be the first to get access. You can learn more about it at lisaruffinyoung.com forward slash A-Club. And I will put a link in the show notes. If you liked this episode, help us make a bigger impact in the world. Support our Patreon campaign. Subscribe. Leave us a review. Share us around with your friends and colleagues. Your help makes a huge difference more than you could ever know. We are one of the fastest growing shows for creative entrepreneurs because of you. So thank you so much. Next time we're going to discuss that third level of the business hierarchy of needs. So I hope you'll join me. And until then, for more inspiration and education to help you end the hustle and own your dreams without selling your soul, come see what's shaken over at lisarobinyoung.com. You know you want to.